It's 11.30 on Wednesday, the final day of March, which means it's time for midday. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Thanks for tuning in. Roll Voice in Nebraska. Whole gang is here. We'll hear from Jason Jorgensen in sports. Final Four is finally set in both the women and men's college basketball tournaments. We'll also hear from Bob Brogan. He'll tell us how stocks are performing here midweek so far. And stepping in in about 15 minutes is Paul Perkins. He'll tell us we have warmer weather on the way. Just have to get through today. Apparently a rhymer now. Uh, let's first check in, though, with Susan Littlefield to hear what we have coming up on Midday. Well, thanks so much, Tyler. Here's what's happening on a midday from the farm team. I'll kick it off at 1219 as we talk with a Nebraska land specialist about getting that farm or ranch ready for sale and what the buyers out there are looking for. Then at 1245, I spoke with Dan Hellstrom. He's president and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. He's actually in Nebraska today speaking with the Nebraska Corn Board. And then Alex will wrap up everything at 119 with information on a UNL webinar. That's a midday on this Wednesday and the last day of March from the Farm Dean. All right, thank you very much, Susan. Uh, appreciate it. She was on the road there, so appreciate her calling in. Uh, let's turn things over to Jason Jorgensen in sports. Uh, we talked to yesterday about, uh, uh, hey, potential upset. And listen, all I want to <laughs> say is I wasn't going to be surprised. I'm not surprised. UCLA moving on to the Final Four. So you had them beating Michigan? Well, listen, not in my bracket, no. But yesterday when you and I were talking, yeah. I was saying I wouldn't be surprised if UCLA did somehow win, and they did somehow win. They did. A gritty game. Though Michigan missed defense, yeah. the last eight shots, right? Yeah. So it's rough. Uh, what impressed me last night, this is not exactly breaking news, how good Gonzaga was. Mm. Four trips up the floor. You could tell that game with USC was over. The the way they move the ball and the way they play together is so impressive. I mean, they're almost kind of like a little NBA team out there. They got some great players. They do, and you know, at this point forward, I think the only team left who would have a shot to beat them would be Baylor. The only reason I think I don't think UCLA has a chance. I the only reason why Houston may they shoot a lot of outside balls, and so if their threes are going in, they may have a chance. Because I don't think Gonzaga is the greatest. Defensive team still alive, but they're they're good still. They're pretty good in the first ten minutes, taking the ball away from <laughs> USC. Like they good point, yeah. look like a bunch of fifth graders yeah, I know you're last right. night. Yeah, so right. uh, we will uh, go back through all of that action last night. Also, we'll hear from Nebraska volleyball coach John Cook. Of course, the Huskers matches with Penn State this weekend canceled due to COVID. Uh, Nebraska missed several matches this year, and many of them were against the top flight teams. In the Big Ten, and he was asked yesterday, you know, was he bummed about that, and did it hurt the development of this year's team? We'll get his thoughts on on that. And some of those were at home. I would yeah. say most of them were at home, right? That was a big bummer to lose the games with Penn State here. Hmm. All right, sounds good. We look forward to those comments. Thank you. Let's turn things over to Bob Brogan. How are stocks performing? Stocks are drifting higher in uh, trading on Wall Street, and uh, they're waiting. To hear details about all this infrastructure stuff that's going on, you're going to be hearing that word a lot in the coming months. The Biden administration wants to improve our infrastructure. Also, uh, the University of Nebraska is out with its leading economic ind- indicator, which is uh, aimed at letting us know how the state's economy is doing. We'll have details on that. All right, all that and more coming up today on Midday. For KRVN's 70th anniversary, we thought we'd revive an old 880 radio promotion, Ham Telephone Time. 
just in time for Easter. With the hams for the Nebraska Pork Producers Association, listen for your chance to win March 29th through April 2nd right here on 880 AM. We all know that Easter dinner would not be the same without the mouth-watering ham. KRVN's retro radio ham telephone time will give you a chance to win a free ham from the Nebraska Pork Producers Association. Time for regional ag weather update here on this Wednesday, and it's brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your Ranky dealer. Paul Perkins sitting in with us now, and well, Paul, it's, uh, it's a little cold outside. Yeah, still been on the chilly side. A lot of us still with temperatures in the low to mid-40s, even some uh, 30s on it to southwest and south-central Nebraska, where we're seeing some clouds. Currently, some clouds from north of North Platte to around Broken Bow, then through central Nebraska from Lexington to Kearney on into north-central Kansas. And those clouds may be uh, yielding a few sprinkles right along Highway 183 from about Elm Creek all the way down to Phillipsburg and possibly to as far south as Plainville. Mm. But nothing major going to be happening. It's probably a little bit of a disturbance riding the outer edges of a ridge of high pressure building to the region right now. So. Something else to keep in mind, a red flag warning is in effect for certain locations of Nebraska as well. Still very dry out there uh, due to the grasses not being completely green and then some dry air with some northwest winds uh, once again elevating those fire weather concerns to near critical levels pretty much all across the area but especially in central Nebraska and in north central Kansas where we we do have a red flag warning for this afternoon. You know a week ago we were talking about record rains that we (laughs) have seen in the area and in the entire state and now we're talking about dry conditions once again. Yeah, it doesn't take much to switch things around, especially when you do kind of get those uh, dry westerly winds into the region. And we do have more on how March will be going down in the record books as a wet month across the area. Now, temperatures uh, looking up after today just have to make it through today yeah big time warm-up on the way as we start to head into tomorrow and on into the easter weekend right now our temperatures pretty much in the upper 30s to low 40s across the area we are seeing some mid 40s though from smith center in central kansas on into eastern areas of kansas and still some mid and upper 30s on into the nebraska panhandle weather today including a little more sunshine than we saw yesterday temperatures though still slightly cooler than average with strong high pressure building in from the west Northwest winds once again breezy today. Could gust as high as 30 in a few locations. The combination of the drier air and breezy winds once again elevating the fire weather concerns to critical levels pretty much across the entire area, especially from central Nebraska into north central Kansas. High pressure moves overhead for tonight for some light winds. And once again, temperatures tonight getting down into the 20s, the coolest for many locations since last month. If you thought last night was chilly, it's been a while. Uh, last time we did get see an overnight state low in Nebraska. 14 in the Valentine area. South winds on the backside of high pressure. Tracking east tomorrow will warm our temperatures to slightly above normal. A building ridge of high pressure keeps it unseasonably warm and dry for Friday into early next week. Easter Sunday going to be our warmest day in the next seven with highs in the 80s or about 20 to 25 degrees warmer than average. Now, Tyler, contrast that with three years ago, I saw a Facebook memory on my Facebook page of where we had to deal with the snowstorm three years ago. Listen, that's Easter. Anything can happen on Easter Sunday. I mean, you have everything that can happen from severe weather to, you mentioned, snowstorms to... Yeah. 
spring-like temperatures. Ex- exactly. Anything is fair game. So this time around, you're going to have to watch out for some melted Easter egg hunts. <laughs> there you go. Chocolate Easter eggs out there that may melt a little quickly in the sun Sunday afternoon. The next area of low pressure does begin to break down that high-pressure ridge by Monday and Tuesday. Cooler temperatures slightly and possibly starting to bring our next chance of rain. There even could be enough instability early next week for some thunderstorms, but right now the forecast is dry all the way through Tuesday. In the long-term forecast, temperatures for Nebraska, Kansas, and the eastern two-thirds of the U.S. will remain at least slightly warmer than normal for Monday through April April 13th. That precipitation outlook from Monday through the 13th indicates near normal to slightly above normal rainfall for Nebraska and Kansas. The month of March is going to go down as the wettest March on record for many areas, including right here in central Nebraska. Many locations in central Nebraska saw March rain totals range from a 7.5 to just over 8.5 inches. The total average rainfall in March, usually around an inch 80. Key weather factors driving the markets include more dry weather for Brazil and a stretch of dryness in the Midwest that might allow some field work. On the plains, it's currently cool and dry. This morning's low temperatures fell below 10 in the Dakotas and dipped to 32 or lower as far south as the Texas northern panhandle. Cold air will result in freezes tomorrow across portions of the southern plains and as far south as the northern Mississippi Delta. That could be a bit of a concern for vulnerable winter wheat in the southern plains, but a warmer trend will occur for the weekend into next week. Friday freezes will occur as far south as Alabama and Georgia, possibly threatening blooming fruits and other temperature-sensitive crops. In the Midwest, it's drenched dry weather, helping to drain the soils and allow some field work to resume. Scattered rain chances return from the Midwest Sunday into next week. In South Brazil, moderate to heavy showers have fallen, while the central and north remain mostly dry. The moisture boost for southern Brazil's immature corn and soybeans. There are concerns, though, for the second crop corn in central and north Brazil. As the start of the dry season approaches, the latest weather models suggesting dryness could last into next month. So the record for some areas of the wettest month on record, I should say, that kind of blew some of those past records out of the water. Yes, uh, by a couple of inches. And, yeah, you consider wow. we usually get about an inch 80 in the month of March, and we caught, saw right around eight to eight and a half inches. Well, that'll be nice for the ground yeah. overall to, yeah. to just be there in general because it's been dry, as we talked about. And you talk to a lot of producers, and they would actually prefer to get some nice rains in March and April as sure. opposed to snow during the winter that mm-hmm. kind of really messes things up and, and the rain a little more beneficial in the months of March and April. So as we've said before, uh, March shower is going to bring April flowers, <laughs> yeah. right? A little month, and we're a month ahead. Yeah, okay. we're going to get, and we're gonna, it's going to feel like it as we head towards Easter. Yeah, uh, nobody's complaining, not no. that I know of, uh, at least. All right, very good. For a full weather forecast, where can you find that? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you. Have you been having the discussion of selling your land or maybe looking to purchase some? From everyone I've been talking to, it's a seller's market. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Variety of things that need to be done before you can even think about putting your property up for sale. I spoke with Jason Shunt. He works with Whitetail Properties as their Nebraska land specialist. So in Nebraska, land values right now are on a slight upward tick. Um, Things have uh, been going very well in both ranch and farmland. Uh, and the recreational market. Uh, there's great demand in the market right now, and supply is very limited. With that being said, if there's somebody that's decided that they want to to move off the farm, what are some things they need to think about? Yeah, so they could reach out to one of our land specialists in their area, 
and uh, we could go over a list of items that help make a property just a little bit more presentable. Um, things such as cleaning up uh, any vehicles or farm equipment that may be outdated or uh, not being used anymore, uh, having a nice gated mode entrance, um, and also having mode trails and pathways to access uh, all sides of the property. And, uh, you know, having having good, decent fence around the, the perimeter is always helpful as well. You you talk about the the demand that's out there and it's coming from a it's just really a, a seller's market at this point. What are people wanting? What's on the wish list of somebody who calls you and says, "Hey, I am ready to buy a farm or I'm ready to buy a ranch." Uh really it's all aspects of the market right now. We've got people looking for um tillable land, we've got people looking for pasture, we've got people looking for acreages with with and without homes. Uh, people looking for 20, 40 acres of timber, and if it has a creek or live water on it, um, those are all in very high demand. I mean, any any bit of land right now uh, has some sort of demand uh, for it. And like I said, uh, supply is very limited, so uh, we're, we're getting a lot of new people um, into the land markets. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of folks coming out of the, the bigger cities looking for a place to camp or recreate or uh, build a cabin um, or even build their their new home. Anything else that you'd like to, what's, I guess, what's the going rate? I mean, I'm sure it's hard depending on the location and, and what people are looking, but on average, what are you seeing as acre prices right now? Uh, it, it varies so much from each corner of the state. Um, you know, there's tillable land bringing nine, $10,000 an acre uh, for high quality ground. Uh, pasture land is, you know, anywhere from 800 an acre up to 3,500 an acre, depending on where you're at in the state. Obviously, the closer you are to Omaha, Lincoln, Grand Island, or Norfolk, um, you know, there, there's going to be a greater population of folks looking to be within that hour to two and a half hour window outside of those uh, those cities. And those are the folks looking for recreational ground or a place to get away for the weekend. Um, and so those with that demand, it's driving some of the prices a little bit higher in those areas. So are old homes still okay or are folks wanting updated uh, farm homes when they, they get ready to move in? Uh, I, I mean, as long as they're livable um, and, and have been, you know, kept up, uh, folks aren't having an issue right now with going in and updating them. Uh, we're refreshing a home, an older home. That's my conversation with Jason Shunt. He's with Whitetail Properties. I'm Susan Littlefield, Rural Radio Network. Time for midday sports here on this Wednesday. Jason Jorgensen joining us once again. And well, we now know the final four for NCAA men's basketball. And Gonzaga's countdown to perfection is tickled down to two. The top seed of Bulldogs are back in the Final Four. Two wins from becoming the first undefeated team since the 1976 Indiana Hoosiers. Mm. Tell you what, if they play this weekend like they did last mm. night and the way they have for most of the year, they will be tough to beat as they stomped all over USC last night, 85-66. to I'm rooting for Gonzaga. I like head coach Mark Few. Boy, he's got something really going uh, well there in the Spokane area. They're just fun to watch, and they play basketball the right way. In, a, in an age of... 
five out, dribble drive, <laughs> stand there, high ball no screen. No, these guys, it's constant motion and movement. And they compete the same way every single year. I mean, they're a very consistent team, but I, I, this has to be his best team he's ever put together. You would think so. Also advancing to the Final Four is UCLA. What a story they are. They barely got into the NCAA tournament. They had to go overtime to beat Michigan State. And then since then, you know, the matchups have lined up pretty well for them. And last night they were able to duke it out and beat Michigan by a couple. I don't see them beating Gonzaga, but who knows? I didn't see them beating Michigan. Right. So stranger things (laughs) have happened. Stanford and South Carolina, they join UConn and Arizona in the women's Final Four. South Carolina, the 2017 national champ, takes on Stanford on Friday night. Arizona then takes on UConn after that. Well, of course, this week's Nebraska-Penn State volleyball matches will not happen due to COVID. Nebraska missed a number of big matches this year, and head coach John Cook says that's unfortunate. You want to play those matches because you learn a lot. And and right now, our greatest teaching match was Ohio State night two. You miss those experiences. It's going to be interesting to see how this tournament goes and how the NCAA tournament goes and what teams can overcome not being really tested. I like the fact that our team is returning all of our players. We have been tested before. Huskers are 14-2, and ranked fourth in the AVCA poll. As we talked a little bit about yesterday, the tournament, however, doesn't start until April the 14th. They're not allowed to add any games, but if anybody can figure out how to you know, stay sharp, roll into the NCAA tournament without a match, it'd be Coach Cook. I think historically teams that are off for a long time uh, don't perform well or as long as they would like to in the postseason. Hopefully they're wrong, but as, as you mentioned, when you have Coach Cook and this very experienced team, that definitely benefits them. I'm sure they'll come up with some creative ways to stay sharp. And this kind of surprises me. The NFL is increasing the regular season to 17 games. First time they've changed the regular season in 43 years. Makes sense. Uh, This now will move the Super Bowl back to February 13th. Uh, One last preseason game. I like it. I like it. Uh, A lot of the NFL players that have come out, uh, they're not a fan of it. But oh, I'm sure not. Yeah, you know, listen, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a brutal sport. It is what it is. But uh, more money as well. Yeah, a lot more money. And they proved this year they didn't need the preseason games. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Thank you very much. It is time for Midday News. News Director Dave Schroeder is now joining us. Well, Dave, this is the time of year we're going to probably see more uh, prescribed burns in our area. Yes, yes. You know, it's kind of a kind of a paradox you know it's uh they have fire warnings uh right. through the national weather service because of conditions that mm-hmm. are uh, dry and humidity and favorable for the starting fires but also it's ideal weather for folks to get out there and uh, burn uh, some land uh, with uh uh, shrubbery issues, and of course, eastern right. red cedars. So it is a prescribed burn season. Lots of burns uh, taking place in the uh, Dawson County, Frontier, uh, eastern Lincoln County areas here in the next coming days. Okay. All right. So if you do see some smoke, don't be totally alarmed. Uh, it's likely going to be a prescribed burn, but uh, you know, just pay attention, I suppose. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Governor Pete Ricketts this morning signed a bill into law that makes it easier for military spouses in Nebraska to obtain a teaching license in the state. Let anybody who has a 
teaching license is in good standing when the states you're coming from, and it's still in good standing. So if you've been teaching for at least a year and you've got that teaching certificate and you're in good standing in the states you've been teaching, you can come to Nebraska and get a, a three-year teaching per, uh, license permit. And that will also require the Department of Education to expedite getting that done. Governor Ricketts all signed, also signed LB 297, which allows banks to intercede when they think a senior citizen or vulnerable adult might be on the brink of initiating a questionable transaction or if they're in a situation when they could be taken advantage of. And it gives banks the option to delay a transaction for up to 30 days and notify a designated third party. That bill is seen as a way to investigate questionable transactions before money is lost. Nebraska lawmakers have advanced a bill to lay the groundwork for an emergency suicide mental health hotline. Senators gave the measure first-round approval. Senator Patty Panzing Brooks of Lincoln introduced the measure in response to a new federal law that will create a 988 number for suicide prevention calls. That bill would create a task force with local stakeholders to help the state prepare and see what resources are needed. States have a new option to provide community-based mobile crisis intervention services with 85% federal matching funds for the first three years. So there are other options. That's why I brought it as a task force. I want everybody to look at everything about this and determine how to move forward. Well, some lawmakers, though, raise concerns that the task force could eventually come back with a funding request, which would mean a new fee imposed on phone bills. The head of the EPA is taking steps to restore what he calls scientific integrity at the EPA. And one way Michael Reagan is trying to do so is by reversing Trump administration actions that sidelined many academic scientists as advisors in favor of industry figures. Reagan says that the reset of two advisory panels will return the EPA to its time-honored practice of relying on advice from a balanced group of experts. Reagan says scientific integrity is a foundational value for EPA, and he's committed to ensuring that every single decision they make meets rigorous scientific standards. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. Rains and livestock go hand in hand. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. And that is going to be one of the discussions during the Nebraska Corn Board meeting that's been taking place the last two days. Dan Hellstrom is both president and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. He made the trip to Nebraska to talk about the vital role grains have with livestock. Well, I think a couple of things. Um, number one, we'll be talking a little bit about uh, the outlook for exports for beef and pork in 2021, and uh, which I think um, there's a lot of moving parts, as you well know. But uh, I think it's uh, shaking out to, to look like another potentially good year for growth, uh, both on, on beef and pork. And uh uh, so that that's that's probably the primary message. I mean, we we have the supply and um, the demand globally is pretty uh, pretty strong on both uh, beef and pork. And then you you throw a few uh, other issues in there like uh, African swine fever in China, which is still an issue. Uh, and, and uh, you know, growing economies and, and a reemergence from COVID-19 lockdowns globally, uh, it could add up to uh, 
So some good opportunities for uh, beef and pork producers uh, in 2021. Well, we know here in Nebraska, we always push, and, and I think this is globally, how important one industry is to the other and one can't survive without the other. And this is a perfect example. Growth in the livestock industry needs to have that feed readily available. Exactly right. And, uh, you know, the state of Nebraska has been a great partner of USMEFs, and uh, uh, you're exactly right. I mean, our perspective is one of meat, but uh, there's no better example than China, which is currently importing a lot of U.S. grain, a lot of U.S. corn, and uh uh, and you know that's that's a great scenario. We, we have a customer on the meat side and the and the grain side. So, uh, and there's a lot of examples around that around around the world. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm always a proponent that uh, if the domestic industries in these countries continue to grow, uh, typically what happens is consumption grows for the for the meat. And uh, so there's room for both, and uh, something that uh, really. Uh, really has a pretty bright outlook going forward. Having said that, what kind of questions are you anticipating coming from Nebraska Corn Board members? Well, I think uh, I think there's always a lot of questions around, uh, you know, food service and COVID-19 lockdowns, of which there are plenty in the world. I mean, uh, you look at places like Europe, uh, you look at places like uh, even Mexico and in South America, we still have some pretty strong lockdowns and, and probably much stronger than they are in the U.S. So there's parts of the world that are still dealing with that. Um, uh, and then there's other parts of the world that are, you know, much uh, further along in the process compared to the U.S. You know, places like uh, like Taiwan and Vietnam and, and, uh, and China, of course, uh, you know, COVID-19 lockdowns are well in the rearview mirror there. So I think I'll explain a little bit about how we see the world is constantly day-to-day, week-to-week evolving. Uh, but, um, you know, the, the good news is that even in these places with lockdowns like Mexico, they're planning for when they come out of it because it's only a matter of time. And when they do, uh, demand, uh, demand's been wonderful at retail and e-commerce, uh, but when they come out of the lockdowns, food service is going to reemerge, and, uh, and uh, we want to be ready to capitalize on that opportunity as well when that happens. And obviously during this entire COVID lockdown, you guys have been continued to have the conversations with these folks about what U.S. meat is all about. Well, yes. I mean, we haven't, honestly, we have not missed a beat. I mean, uh, and that's the beauty of having infrastructure, these offices. Uh, we have offices in 19 regions around the world. And, and these folks, uh, they haven't been traveling to the U.S., but they've been traveling in their own countries and keeping uh, activities going. So, uh, uh, yeah, we, in fact, you could make an argument in some of these countries were busier than we've ever been. And, uh and which is a good thing because, you know, as we did in the U.S., we've seen an immediate shift, you know, from food service to uh, to retail. And, of course, probably more importantly, the online platforms for both food service and retail are just booming globally. So, uh, yeah, we've been quite busy, uh, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm zoomed to death with Zoom calls, but uh, hey, that's the price you pay because uh, we're still able to stay in contact with these folks around the world and make sure that uh, we keep getting that message out there to our customers on, on U.S. beef and pork. 
Which is definitely good news there. Uh, speaking of uh, getting together with folks, you guys are still going to have your spring conference in May, though not in Minneapolis. It will be a virtual conference. Yes, yeah, we um, we had to make the decision. Uh, we were hopeful to have an in-person meeting, and we probably could have, but but the attendance we were worried might be, uh, you know, extraordinarily low. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go with the virtual aspect again in May, but uh, we are planning um, for November in our board meeting, which is in Carlsbad, California. Uh, we're planning to go full full steam ahead for an in-person meeting on that one, though. That's my conversation with Dan Hellstrom, president and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation, speaking with the Nebraska Corn Board this week. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. KRVN has been busting through blizzards since our first day on the air in 1951. A lot has changed in 70 years, but one thing hasn't, the dedication to our listeners. This year, KRVN, The River, and Cami are giving you the opportunity to win a blizzard-busting Polaris 450 EPS. This ATV is brand new with front and back racks, and we're adding a go light with remote control. It's a complete package for bad weather and good. Blizzard Buster is sponsored in part by Sustainable Seed Solutions. Earning your seed business honestly. Go Light Incorporated, Husker Irrigation, your local Zomatic dealer, Holdridge and Carney, and RMB Construction, general contracting in central Nebraska. From busting through snowdrifts during calving to riding the river in the fall looking for that perfect buck, the Polaris is a workhorse that is also loaded for fun. Register at Budke Power Sports North Platte, Homestead Bank, Lexington, and Cozad, and Max Shortstop, Lexington. See more registration locations at krvn.com. In today's fast-paced world of agriculture, producers need accurate market information they can trust. Sometimes you just want to know the whys of the day's markets. And our program, the Fontenelle Final Bell, gives you the chance to ask the marketing experts. I'm Susan Littlefield with the Rural Radio Network. Join us for the Fontenelle Final Bell, Monday through Friday, as we dig deep into the factors that shape the day's market activity. The Fontenelle Final Bell, weekdays at 217, right here on Rural Radio 880 KRVN. This is Vice Chancellor Mike Bame. I'd like to invite you to hear the latest news from the Institute of Agriculture and Natural Resources by tuning into the weekly IANR update. Listen to the program each Saturday at 930 right here on 880 KRVN. With the business report for Wednesday, I'm Bob Brogan. There's an upward movement today for stocks. Stocks drifting higher as investors are waiting to hear the details about Washington's next mammoth push for the economy. The S&P 500 was up five-tenths of a percent at midday, ahead of an afternoon speech where President Joe Biden is expected to discuss his plan to spend $2 trillion on strengthening the nation's infrastructure and how to pay for it. It's location, location, and location. The number of Americans who signed contracts to buy homes last month fell by the most since last year's virus outbreak sent the economy into a free fall. The National Association of Realtors Index of Pending Home Sales tumbled 10.6% to 110.3% in February, its lowest level since May of last year. World trade will pick up this year, but has a long way to go to reach pre-pandemic levels. That's the word today from the World Trade Organization. The WTO is raising its estimate for the rebound in global trade in goods, but warning that the COVID-19 pandemic still poses the greatest threat to a recovery that is being hampered by lagging vaccinations and regional disparities. 
Pfizer comes out and clears the air today. It says its COVID-19 vaccine is safe and strongly protective in kids as young as 12. Today's announcement marks a step toward possibly beginning shots in this age group before the next school year. Nebraska's leading economic indicator rose again during February 2021, according to the most recent report from the University of Nebraska. The leading indicator rose by 1.05 percent, marking the fifth consecutive monthly increase. The consistent increase in the indicator suggests that economic growth will be solid in Nebraska through the summer of 21, says economist Eric Thompson, director of the Bureau of Business Research at the University. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. Hey there, Greg Wagner joining you from the Nebraska Game and Parks Commission. Time now for another Nebraska Outdoor Update. It's celebration time! Hey, the Nebraska State Park System is celebrating its 100th anniversary. Our first state park was Shadron in 1921. Watch for special things happening throughout the year to commemorate the anniversary. Visit our Game and Parks website to get all the details at OutdoorNebraska.gov. Preliminary results of the 2021 Nebraska Farm Real Estate Survey were recently released, and Jim Jansen, an agricultural economist with the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, held a webinar to explain those results. He started out the presentation by explaining what the survey was. It was an annual survey of land industry professionals that was started back in 1978. Their survey annually surveyed land industry professionals from across Nebraska, that are engaged in the land industry. These include agricultural bankers, professional land industry folks such as appraisers, farm ranch managers, and other folks engaged in the land industry. Two times each year, we do two things. During the second week of March, we will publish the preliminary estimates. The preliminary estimates have the basics on land values as well as cash rental rates. And then the final report is published in June. Final report has additional detail beyond the preliminary estimates, things like uh, what percent of land in Nebraska is being sold via contract for deed. Part of the preliminary results included information on the Nebraska average land value from 1979 to 2021. A lot of folks are wondering, you know, where have we been or where are we going? You have to really look at the fundamentals of where the real estate industry is at. All right, so here we have the historical value of land in Nebraska. And so it can be displayed here. I cut 1978 off the slide. But what we do see here is the average value of land in Nebraska peaked back in 2014. If you think about the history of what happened prior to 2014 from about 2008 to 2014, we had periods in there with renewable energy drought that set some very high commodity prices for our major grains or oil seeds that we raise in Nebraska, followed by the meat sector uh, having some fairly uh, high prices as well. So we've seen those values peak in 2014. We've seen the decline happen from 2014 to 2019. And then starting in 2020 and 2021, that's where we've seen this percent increase. Been around on average eight to 9% over the last two years. Is that a lot? We like to see gradual changes, as I mentioned before. Now, even though more detailed results will be released in June from this study, he talked about some factors that continually influence farm real estate values in Nebraska. There's really two fundamental things we talk about. The earning potential of the asset, 
as well as the prevailing interest rates to finance long-term debt for that asset. You see a lot of things about home loans, home mortgages, some of the lowest interest rates we maybe have ever seen in recent history compared to historical averages being set. Uh, this past year, people have reported to me that cash rental rates, or excuse me, the interest rates to finance, say, a 20 or 30 year ag land loan, they might be anywhere from, say, uh, 3.25 to 3.5%, but they're well under 3%. So, what you see is, was when we have low interest rates, the interest rates become capitalized into the market value of the asset. Meaning, if I'm out in the market to buy a home or land, you might have a certain budget in, my, in your mind per month. But if you can afford to pay more for a home, you could probably afford to do that when you have lower interest rates instead of higher interest rates. And that's one reason we've been seeing uh, some very high farm real estate values. Again, that information coming from a recent webinar hosted by Jim Jansen, an agricultural economist with the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Play Penn on the Rural Radio Network as we talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. And John, as I see the grain settlements come across my screen, the limit higher is the word of the day in the in the corn and soybean contracts. And coming back to USDA data out today, we see those stocks really not as big of a change as maybe some were expecting. Does this have any impact now on the April WASDE report and what it'll do with carryover stocks of U.S. grain? Yeah, it's going to get buried in this. I assume you guys have been talking about the acreage numbers. You know, those are bullish in their own right. But the acreage side, or the, the grain stock side of it, we, we saw small small addition um, to soybeans. So maybe $100 million, $90 million, uh, that could be tacked onto the carryover in the next report. But again, it's like I'm poor and I found a dime and now I'm a little less poor. That's kind of that, the way I look at it. Uh, in the case of corn, they left everything the same. And in the next report, in the WASDE reports now, they're going to start they're going to have to raise export demand. I mean, essentially, we're at pace already, 100%, and any sales that come in come on going forward are only going to get an added to that. So short term here, I think there's, you know, tremendous upside in the, in the soybean market if there's not a, if there's a growing problem. That's kind of the acreage side of it. Um, we traded 10 higher on corn and beans through the morning, so above limit. So tonight I think we'll probably open up there. We're resistance levels right now on the beans. So if they fail you know, come back down and say low 14s. Maybe we've, we've made a little high in that crop for a while, but I think the stress now is going to be on the new crop acres to come up, and we need more soybean acres, probably another 2 million to get planted just to keep the balance sheets from going negative. Um, and China can make that happen. So short-term uh, bullishness across the books, uh, unless you're a, uh, and good news, unless you're a, uh, a guy trying to use grain, it's going to be a little more expensive this summer. When we see a close like this coming in at the last day of the month, on the monthly chart, are we going to go ahead and see a gain, a unchanged, or an actual slight loss on the month? Monthlies are going to look pretty pretty unchanged. You know, NASCAR month, we saw negativity across the whole book. But, um, you know, barring tomorrow, again, we do have the end of the quarter. I would, I don't plan on chasing this higher tonight, um, especially given the soybeans where they are. Old crop, you know, they did drop the stocks, or they did raise the stock a little bit. So that old crop price might find some ceiling here. Um, but in the case of new crop, you know, now it, now it becomes like, where do you start trying to lay in some risk uh, as far as, you know, sales? And I, I think you you might 
get an opportunity here to get 460 cash. I'm talking more local year board out that way. I had a planting, which uh, you know is just crazy compared to where we were a year ago. That's John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing and Chicago Publisher, the daily newsletter this week in grain. If you'd like to sign up for that newsletter, visit danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involve risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. Consider these risks before investing. Thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up this Wednesday edition of Midday. Catch the Midday Podcast, sponsored by Deveni Motors. Find it wherever podcasts are available or krbn.com. <laughs>